Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we speak to Nigeria youth international striker Taiwo Awoni, who joined Liverpool on a long-term deal in 2015, but is still out on loan and waiting for his chance to play for the Reds. But for me, I choose Liverpool because I, I wish I played in England, I wish to play for Liverpool. But if God wish, I will play there. And if God don't allow it to happen, then I, I keep on going with my life. So this is life for me. We ask why big clubs in Europe are signing players from Africa when there's no guarantee of them getting a work permit and how the system operates. Plus lots of views on what needs to be done at Manchester United and Stewart's views on Manchester City's treble winning season. But first, it's the first leg of the final of the CAF Champions League this weekend. The 2017 winners Widad Casablanca of Morocco host the defending champions Esperance of Tunisia. It's a very tight one, Solomon, but uh, who do you think will take it? I feel both teams have a great opportunity, equal opportunity to be able to leave this trophy uh, between the two legs that they have to play. Uh, but at the same time, I, I would want to go with the defending champions. Uh, that is experience of Tunisia. I feel with their uh, experience and also with the current form that they have playing and having watched them play, the way they played Tipi Mazembe, especially in the semi-final, and how they actually came through the group phase. And this is a two-legged final, not just a one-leg final. Uh, so I feel they're going to really calculate and be able to get maximum results from, from both legs. And, and uh, it's going to be difficult for Wida to be able to, uh, to come through. Yeah, difficult to separate those two teams as Solomon giving Esperance the edge. Well, the Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt is just four weeks away now and the story of the week concerning the Nations Cup was Ghana's record goalscorer Asamoah Jan who ended up reversing his decision to retire from international football after intervention from the country's president. So Jan is in Ghana's Nations Cup squad which was named on Wednesday. He'd said on Monday that he'd quit permanently after being replaced as captain but President Nana Akufo-Addo spoke to Jan on Tuesday prompting the striker to change his mind. Uh, Jan said a presidential request is one that cannot be disregarded. Indeed. And in World Cup news, plans to expand the 2022 World Cup to 48 teams were abandoned by FIFA this week. Uh, FIFA president Gianni Infantino has said last year that the expansion from 32 to 48 teams could be brought forward from 2026 to the 2022 tournament in Qatar. But this would have needed Qatar to share hosting duties with other countries in the region, which seemed to be unworkable. There will be nine places for Africa in a 48-team World Cup from 2026, but it will remain at five for the next edition in 2022. Well, now to our interview with Nigeria youth international striker Taiwo Awani, who joined Liverpool on a long-term deal in 2015 from Imperial Academy in Nigeria, but is yet to play a senior game for the Reds. Well, the 21-year-old is a strong, tall centre-forward, a good goal-getter, currently on loan at Belgian side Muscron. This is his fifth loan spell outside of England. 
Well, Awani's first loan stint was at German second-tier club FSV Frankfurt in the 2015-2016 campaign. He then went to the Dutch side Nijmegen and then to Belgium, moving to Muscron, then another loan to Ghent, also in Belgium, before moving back to Muscron. Awani helped his country to win the Under-17 World Cup in 2013. He's currently part of Nigeria's Under-23 side, vying for a ticket for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, The final qualifying round will be in September, with Nigeria playing Sudan. Well, Nigeria made an amazing comeback in the previous round as they lost the first leg 2-0 to Libya, but came back to win the second leg 4-0. That was in March. And firstly, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji asked Awani about that game. For me, it was a great victory for the, for the team. And uh, I think uh, the coach really did a, a lot of work, not on the field, on the field alone, but also, also bringing the belief to the team. And the first statement he said, like, we guys just have to score the first goals, then the second one, then the third, then the goals will start coming. And this is what happened. Yeah, in Tunis it was really a tough game, but here in Nigeria it was a good game. We made it possible and we qualified to the nice next one. So it was good for the country and everyone is part of themselves and their family and everybody was happy about the victory. Did you guys feel any form of pressure knowing that you had to score not just two, but more unanswered goals? Well, oh, to, be, to be honest, everyone feel really feel really a little bit of pressure to be honest but everything we just have to do is just to stay focused and to get the first goals and to keep on going to the final whistle. Personally it's been an amazing year for you I mean you came back um, to Belgian football and you are like you're eating the ground running like a house on fire you're scoring goals. Yeah uh, for me uh, Belgium has been for the past two years has been a nice place for me to play and uh, I was happy to my I was happy about my performance and uh, in every situation, I give thanks to God because this is my philosophy. And to be honest, with the goals and everything, it's just the glory of God. And I was happy about that. Your first loan spell didn't really go as planned, but then you went back to a familiar terrain. Tell us about that. Well, uh, like I said, in football, I always tell people, like, the outside world only watch the game, but I believe there is a lot of things that has to do with football. Football is not a business and uh, it has to do with people that control the atmosphere, that control the, the club and everything. And uh, if you are not on the favourable side of the people, I think it's difficult for you to, to make your chance. And uh, when I went back to my former club, I was well, I was welcome and I, I feel more at home and they give me the chance enough to play. And I think everyone sees the talent and everything goes as, as God planned. Do you still about or hope that you could play in the colours of Liverpool Sunday? I mean, they are your parent club. Is it your parent club? Do you still have that confidence that you could someday play for Liverpool? Well, uh, to be honest, for me, at this very moment, uh, it's sad in my heart that it's difficult to get the work permit for the past uh, four years. And uh, at, the end of this, at the end of the season, we have to see what happens because I have to go back to Liverpool and we have to, to discuss. But everyone knows the importance of the work permit and how it works. You have to play in the national team and stuff. And if you don't get your chance in the national team, it's difficult to get the work permit as well. But for me, I choose Liverpool because I, I wish I played in England. I wish to play for Liverpool. But if God wish, I will play there. and. If God don't allow it to happen, then I, I keep on going with my life. So this is life for me. With the opportunity that you are playing with the Nigerian under-23 side now, how hopeful are you of getting a chance with the senior A-team? Well, uh, for me, with the under-23 and uh, the A-team, 
Nigeria is full of talent, to be honest. And uh, when we look at the squad in the under 23 and the A team, this is great player, amazing player, and they have been doing great for their club. But I said to people, whosoever finds himself in the A team is a privilege. So everyone has, has his own time and his own privilege. If I have the chance one day, I will be grateful to God. But it's not something you can force. You just have to wait for your time. Finally, you often quote Christ. You talk about religion. How much does faith have in your football career? Well, for me, I'm not the perfect Christian. Uh, I make a silly mistake. I, I sin sometimes. I do things that, that is not right. But I think if not for my belief and my faith, I don't think I will be where I am today. So that is why it's the most important thing for me in life. So that is Nigeria youth international striker Taiwo Awani speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji. He's currently on the books of Liverpool but hasn't played for them. Uh, so Stuart, it's interesting that Liverpool and other clubs do sign players from Africa and elsewhere when there's no guarantee of them getting a work permit. Uh, so how does this work? Well, if you do not have a British or European passport, you require a work permit to work in the UK. And that requirement is the same whether you want to work as a bus driver or as a footballer. Ultimately, the decision on work permits is taken by the Home Office, a department of the UK government. To be granted a work permit for a footballer, a club must obtain what's called a governing body endorsement for that player from the Football Association. In general terms, the club must demonstrate that the player has an established reputation at the highest level and is good enough to play at a high level in Britain. And one way of establishing this is the percentage of his country's internationals the player has played in in the past two years. But this then becomes complicated because if it's one of the top 10 countries in the world, the player is only required to have played 30% of the internationals. Whereas if it's the 50th best country in the world, the players required to have played 75% of the games in the last two years. Other factors which are taken into consideration include the player's transfer fee, the player's wages, the club that he currently plays for, and again, for example, a player who's playing regularly in the top division in Spain, Italy or Germany will have a much greater chance of getting a work permit than one playing in a league in, shall we say, one of the lesser countries in Europe Asia or Africa. But even if a player is successful in obtaining this governing body endorsement, this can come at two levels, with the lower level only allowing him to stay in the UK for one year. So it can be a real battle for players to get work permits and to be allowed to stay in the UK. And Steve, this is the current position. But if Brexit happens, I mean Britain leaving the European community, the whole situation will be in the melting pot and Europeans will have no advantages over the rest of the world, which arguably could make it easier for African players to get work permits in Britain. Very interesting and uh, quite a process. Uh, so Solomon, this is very frustrating for players like Aoni as they first have to become regulars for the senior national team, uh, which is not easy, is it? 
Yes, David, it's always frustrating for players like Awoni, you know. And I think one current Nigerian story also not long ago was Kenneth Omerua, the defender who was signed by Chelsea. And he had to go and play in the, in the, in the Dutch league for, for a couple of years and came back and played in the championship. But he was still never really got to play for the Chelsea senior team. And he had to be, even when he became a regular for Nigeria, and he had to be shipped out because he's currently playing in, in Spain. And we also have uh, the South African player, Pesi Tau, who is a prolific goal scorer for South Africa. He was signed at the beginning of the season by Brighton. And, and after signing for Brighton, I couldn't get a work permit and he had to be shipped out to the Belgian League where he's playing in the Belgian second division. And guess what? This season that just ended, he was uh, the winner of the best player in the Belgian second division with his team. He's got great goals, you know, but still he's not qualified to play and future for for Brighton well hopefully after the AFCON tournament maybe he would you know gather enough caps to be able to uh, to play for for his first team but it's really a bit, a bit quite frustrating but I totally understand from the British perspective where you know you need to protect and you need to be able to make sure you get the best players in. Yeah, sure, but uh, tough for uh, some African players, making it harder for them to break through into the English Premier League. Thanks, Solomon. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Also, you can listen to the show on our New Look website. That's planetsport.tv. Well, now we turn to social media. And last week we asked, what do you think that Manchester United need to do in the next few weeks in terms of players and the technical team? It was a poor end to the English Premier League season for Manchester United. Just one win from their final seven games. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer started so well as manager, but there are many people now expressing doubts as to whether he was the right man for the job. Well, on WhatsApp, James Wallace Jr. in Malawi says, It's simple. Some players who are unwilling must be released. United should buy one more natural striker and then strengthen the defence. I don't have a problem with the current midfield, says James, but the team must invest big this time around. Kitenga Ija Allen in Uganda sees the problem stemming from the top. The chief executive and the owners need to revisit the decisions they've been making since the departure of the great Sir Alex Ferguson. Let former players whose hearts have never stopped loving Old Trafford be consulted, and in the end, happiness at Man United shall be realised again, says Kitenga Ija. United fan Karamba Dabo in the Gambia says United need to adjust their defence and midfield and buy a striker, but defenders should be their first target to end the off-season. Solskjaer must bring back our goalkeeper Dean Henderson, who's on loan at Sheffield United to compete with De Gea if De Gea stays at United next season. Alan Ernest Twaji Rayezu is in Rwanda. It's clear that the whole team is bored because of involvement from the administrative team, which interferes with the technical team, says Alan. The board must give time and space to the technical team, the coach included. Isaac Ngana says they should sack all the players who are not willing to play for the club. United should sell them to other clubs to allow new players to come in, to build a formidable squad for the success of the club and to win trophies, says Isaac. 
Emmanuel E. Shamaki in Nigeria is looking for a complete change. For a club to succeed, it has to have a good structure as a team, which United lacks, says Emmanuel. Success doesn't only come from the manager. I think they need to sweep some players out, including some key players like Pogba and Smalling, and keep fewer English players at the club. Khalifa Sanyang in China believes the choice of manager is key. What they need right now is to hire a top-class manager like Mauricio Pochettino and to give him funds to buy the players that he wants, says Khalifa. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not going to take them anywhere. He's just an overrated Eddie Howe, says Khalifa. Eddie Howe being the manager of Bournemouth. Fabrice is a United fan in Cameroon. Our main problem is the executive vice chairman, Ed Woodward, says Fabrice. He only sees football in the business aspect. Our second problem is Paul Pogba. He should leave the club along with Matteo Damian, Phil Jones, Marcus Rojo, Lee Grant and Eric Bailly. We should bring in Gelson Fernandes and João Felix from Benfica, Bruno Fernandes from Sporting Lisbon and sign Rafael Varane or Khalidou Koulibaly, says Fabrice. Marvellous Olari Waju Abubakar in Nigeria agrees that some of the current squad should go. I think Solskjaer has a lot to do. Some players should leave, the likes of Ashley Young, Eric Bailly and Martial. Uh, players should come in with experience who are hungry for success. If United do this and if Solskjaer fails to deliver, he should be shown the exit door, says Marvellous. Mwenda Zambwe in Zambia is asking two questions. Uh, one, do they want to build a youthful team with the United style of play? Or two, do they want to win trophies and get back to the top level immediately? If it's the first, then Ole is the right coach to build them, as he played for the club before and knows the United style. But if it's the second, says Mwenda, then the club has to splash money to buy quality players and release a very good number of the current squad to make room. Thanks for that, Mwenda. We always welcome your voice notes on WhatsApp. And from Cameroon, here's Nsonyi Armstrong. Manchester United needs a sporting director at the moment and the best person to do such a job And Manchester United should be Adrian van der Sar because he's done a very great job at the level of Ajax of Amsterdam and everyone can see that. Uh, if he comes over to Old Trafford, he can do the same thing. Uh, the Glazers and Ed Woodward, they slow down a lot of contracts. And not too many players, I think, are satisfied with the level of management there. Because it's, it goes beyond the coaching staff and the players. It's a question of what the board wants. And so since they are making enough profits from their markets, they don't the board does not care much about uh, what goes on on the pitch. So they need a sporting director, a good one. And I suggest Edwin van der Sar. Thanks there to Nsonyi Armstrong in Cameroon. So many views on this. Let's just uh, take a few more quickly. Mohamed Manika Sisse in Sierra Leone says, I think United got it wrong when they sacked Mourinho. Remember, Jose won for them three trophies in two seasons and qualified them for the Champions League. Now it'll be difficult for them to get major signings as they failed to qualify for the Champions League. So they should try to maintain the current players and motivate them to work hard to see that they get into Europe next season, says Mohamed. 
Jesse Rando, also in Sierra Leone, says Paul Pogba is the problem behind all of the performances and he needs to go. While Lamine Sambu in the Gambia says simply they should sign Pochettino as manager from Tottenham. And finally, Alpha Jallo in the Gambia echoes similar comments we've heard from many this week. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should still be given the chance, says Alpha. But I believe that many old players like Valencia, Damian, Young, Jones and Bailly should be offloaded so that new players can be brought in and that the club can find a good backup goalkeeper for David De Gea. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. There's so many passionate views from Manchester United fans and apologies if we didn't have time to read out yours. Well, let's stay with the English Premier League and Manchester City became the first English club to win the domestic treble as they beat Watford 6-0 in the FA Cup final last weekend, also having won the league and the EFL Cup. A massive achievement to Stuart, but uh, if Liverpool win the UEFA Champions League, would that go down as a better season than Man City's? Well, Manchester City are a magnificent team and have played wonderful football this year. And I don't want to pour cold water on their achievements, but I think you have to take this unique treble in context. City are Premier League champions, but only by one point. They have not dominated the league the way they did last season when they finished 19 points ahead of second place Manchester United. They've won the League Cup and the FA Cup. But one has to acknowledge that few of the top teams take these cup competitions really seriously. If you look at the starting 11 for most of the top Premier League clubs in a League Cup tie and even an FA Cup tie, you'll find that most of the star players are being rested for more important games. And even in the FA Cup final last weekend, Watford were in the Cup final for the first time since 1984, but they didn't actually put out their strongest team with Herrero Gomez in goal rather than their normal first choice, Ben Foster. Now, Foster played every Premier League game this season, while the 38-year-old Gomez has only been playing cup ties. So the decision to pick him, uh, in a way, as a reward for his service, perhaps showed that winning the FA Cup wasn't their top priority. And Manchester United did a treble in 1999, winning the league, the FA Cup and the Champions League. I think that's a much greater achievement. And I'm also old enough to remember Tottenham doing the double in 1961 and Arsenal in 1971. And those, I think, were greater achievements because with only one English club in the Champions League or European Cup, as it was called, no one would have contemplated going into an FA Cup tie without their strongest team. So winning the FA Cup in those days was a lot more difficult. City, though, will certainly feel unlucky to have been eliminated in the quarterfinals of the Champions League on away goals and, to make matters worse, on a VAR decision in the last minute. But it does mean that Guardiola, though he has won the Premier League twice in his three years at Manchester City, but has failed to make an impact on the Champions League. And I think until City do win the Champions League, they will not quite be on the same level as Manchester United, Liverpool and Chelsea, who have done so. And if Tottenham or Liverpool win the Champions League this year, and obviously one of them is going to, they can actually argue that that achievement is on a par, if not greater, than Manchester City's domestic treble. Yes, winning the Champions League is the measure of highest success, you'd have to say. And Stuart, you got some reflections for us on the English Premier League season? Well, 
Steve, I think I'd call this a sideways look at the Premier League with acknowledgement to the Times newspaper as the source of a lot of this. How can we sum up this great season and what are some of the odd things that happened? Well, Liverpool won 16 points from games in which they were losing. Interestingly, the two teams that gained least points from a losing position were Manchester City and Huddersfield. But think about it. I suppose in Manchester City's case, they were very rarely losing, so didn't have a chance to do it, whereas Huddersfield's inability to turn games around was the reason they were relegated. But looking at the opposite, Southampton lost an incredible 29 points from winning positions. Fulham 18, Huddersfield 16. Just think where Southampton could have finished in the league if they had held on to those 29 points when they were winning games. But the strangest of all was Arsenal, who won 12 points in games from a losing position, but then gave away 13 points from winning positions. You know, perhaps Arsenal should deliberately have conceded an early goal in every game. Burnley was the most English club in the Premier League, with English players on the field for 26,000 minutes, whereas Chelsea and Arsenal's minutes totals for home players was less than 10% of that. Leicester City benefited from 35 goals scored by English players. The name of Jimmy Vardy comes to mind. Whereas Wolves had only one goal in the entire league season scored by an English player. Most tackles made in the season was equal by Wilfred and Didi of Leicester and Idris Gay of Everton, each with 143 tackles. And it really does go against the stereotype that African players are good on the ball but don't work hard when a Nigerian and a Senegalese player make the most tackles in the Premier League. At the other end of the scale, Andre Gray of Watford and Chikorito of West Ham were both involved in 25 Premier League games this season, but only managed three tackles each. Actually, looking at Andre Gray, he only made three tackles. He also made the fewest passes in the Premier League. So what on earth has he been doing for the whole season? On the subject of passes, Andre Gray made 236 passes in the season, whereas Jorginho of Chelsea and Liverpool's Virgil van Dijk each made a staggering 3,000 passes during the season. Liverpool were top of the league for 141 days of the season, Manchester City for 124. The only other clubs which were top at all were Chelsea for nine days and Manchester United uh, went top on a Saturday and were overtaken on the Sunday. The three clubs which were relegated spent most of the season in the relegation zone. Huddersfield 246 days, Fulham 219 and Cardiff 151 days. And of those who survived, uh, the one most in the bottom three was Newcastle for 69 days. Wolves and Burnley had the unfortunate experience of conceding four own goals during the season, which clearly didn't help them. When it comes to penalties, Manchester United were awarded 12 penalties and Crystal Palace 11. On the other hand, poor old Huddersfield and Watford only got one penalty each. And incidentally, the two players who gained most penalties during the season were Wilfred Zaha, Crystal Palace's Ivorian, with six, and Mo Salah with five. And Wilfred Zaha was also 
the second most fouled player in the Premier League with 102 fouls against him. Only Eden Hazard of Chelsea had more, 104. Hazard also completed most dribbles and had 250 touches of the ball in the opposition penalty area. He created 97 chances and is credited with 15 assists. But just hang on a moment. If he created 97 chances but only had 15 assists, does that mean that Chelsea missed 82 chances that he created? Hmm. I'm not quite sure what this proves, but Chelsea and Manchester City each hit the woodwork 21 times. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, really. And two statistics help us to understand uh, how the league went, is that Manchester City had the highest average possession, 68% of games they had the ball, and Cardiff City the lowest, 34%. Manchester City made most successful passes, 23,650, and Cardiff, only 6,000. So perhaps that is why Manchester City won the Premier League and Cardiff were relegated. Lucas Fabianski of West Ham was the busiest goalkeeper, making 149 saves. And finally, and I'm not sure that Chris Wood of Burnley would want me to mention this, but he did get the record for being caught offside 53 times during the season. <laughs> well, he needs to be more careful next season. Thanks, Stuart. A fantastic season it was in the English Premier League. Still to come, the UEFA Champions League final on Saturday the 1st of June. We'll look ahead to that on next week's show. Well, on social media this week, we're asking why are the North African clubs dominating the CAF competitions? Esperance of Tunisia playing Widad Casablanca of Morocco in the Champions League final, the third year in a row that has been an all-North African affair. You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two. 780. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.